risk investigators. What's up, Zachariah, co-host? Not a whole lot. Hey, you know, we really need to get started. But first, if you hear any barking in the background, that's the Browns about to walk through the Steelers in a couple of weeks. Woo! That's how we do it. But now let's get serious. Seriously, we have a topic today that is just going to like blow the phones up. And we already know it. So let me give out the numbers right now. If you're going to call direct, how about 323-744-4831? And you know what, Zachariah? I'm not even going to play a race today. I'm going to focus in on this. I might play a race. I, I can't help it. I might play a race. But it's only going to be one today. Win or lose, win or take all. And then tonight is the big race, the Traverse Stakes. I might give a little bit of handicapping on that. But what are you going to do today? Like, dude, what's up? I am doing absolutely nothing. I don't have to drive five hours to do a radio show today. Ah, oh, so that's that's good. That's excellent. Well, you know what? Um, I've seen that the price of Bitcoin, I'm looking at it right now, 4300 Did we talk about that? Did we call that? What's going on with that? Let's keep going. It's just going to keep going up. And uh, I think if the stock market crashes down, it's really going to skyrocket. That's And, and uh, I... Go ahead. Well, I don't, I don't know. I've been catching a lot of flack. I've been hearing that the big banks, you know, are really not feeling what's going on with the Bitcoin move right now. And I think maybe our guest to be able to help us out with that. But, uh, boy, it's actually at four thousand three hundred and eight dollars right now. And we already bought in. So we're just kind of riding this roller coaster. But I think there's going to be better ways to make money. Yeah, uh, I think. uh you know, just maybe handling transactions on the Bitcoin network may be a good way to go. So how about that? How about we introduce then the, the friend of ours that's on the line all the way out hailing from central Ohio. And Brill is a blockchain expert. And he's here to answer our questions, to talk about what he's up to, and to really just inform and educate us on what blockchain is and how it can be and will be profitable brill are you there i'm here guys how you guys doing we are doing good we are doing good brill how long have you been a part of blockchain technology and how did you get started in this so i got started about probably three and a half years ago and i started you know i was i was younger at the time and i started as a basically a gamer i looked at it as a game at Back then, there wasn't a whole lot of value uh, to the coin, so it was more like a, an exercise and um, just a scholar, a scholar sort of exercise. You know, can what can we do? How can we help the encryption? How can we pass these tokens? Um, we were always interested in technology, um, and it was emerging at the time. So we decided we'd get in just. Uh, Play it sort of like a game. We, you know, a lot of people now say, "Wow, you know, you're you're at the beginning, at the forefront, and you've made all these coins, you've done all this stuff. How smart is that?" But actually, the truth of the matter is, it it was never. We never intended it to grow the way it grows, and we never intended. We didn't think, "Well, we're going to get together and we're going to start a business, and it's going to take off." And I mean, we didn't we didn't have any of those expectations. We just were playing, actually. Right. And and that's what's important. It's, it sounds like you're really enjoying what you do. And I'm, I'm in this game, so to speak. I'm, I'm an investor. I'm a gambler because it's fun. 
you know, I take the gamble and I don't, I call it what it is. A lot of it's a gamble. When you take a risk, it's a gamble. I know a lot of uh, stock marketeers hate to use that word, but that's what it is. Anytime you put money at risk, you're, you're, you're gambling a little bit of that money. The key is to know that risk and not to risk more than you can afford to lose. I mean, that's, the, that's the bottom line. And it sounds like that's where you are right now. Yeah. Well, we, um, you know, we come from a sort of a math and science background, not from a business and investment background. So to us, the, the risks that you're talking about, you know, when you're talking about the stock market or you're talking about any cryptocurrency or any actual ICO or anything that launches from the blockchain, there's, it's, it's, it's more risky and because there's not enough data or there's not a big enough statistical pool to calculate a trend that's reliable, you know, the stock market and the, the, the options market, all these things have been around for a very long time. And you can trend and you can do all sorts of things. And of course, those businesses are reporting to the government. So they have tax returns. So, you know, although it is gambling, um, it's a little less, a little less risky. So for us, um, we don't invest in, you know, that way. We actually, we, um, use the encryption to basically earn fractions of coins, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we earn ours. And then we take a percent of that. Maybe we'd go into an ICO that we feel good about and stuff. But you're right. It is it is gambling whether you want to, you know, I, I call it gambling or not. It, it, is, it is gambling. And, of right. course, as new and young as it is, it, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of data. So you are really going out on a limb. So absolutely, I wouldn't risk one penny more than I was comfortable losing um, <laughs> with that. Because, right. I mean, that you can't tell. I mean, there's just not enough data to actually map that out to be any kind of anything that's reasonable. I mean, short term is in and out, you know, holding long is another strategy. Everybody's got their own strategies, and they all frighten me, quite honestly. Zachariah, you have a strategy. What is your strategy? Um, right now, I like to buy in to like Bitcoin, like every paycheck. So I might put in $50 to buy some Bitcoin, and then I'll take another $50, which I usually end up spending on something else. And Pizza. I try, yeah, pretty much. And I store that away. So I'll put $50 in, and I'll store $50 away. And what that does is it just allows me to average in without having to try and guess tops and bottoms. So if it keeps trending... I have a hand in the market. Um, likewise, let's say it trends up. Let's say it goes from 4000 to 6000 Okay, I'm going to catch that trend. But let's say it drops, which one day it's going to do something crazy. Let's say it drops back down to 2000 from 6000 We're talking Bitcoin here. Well, that money that I'm putting away on the side, I can use that to buy in at that 2000 So then I can kind of bring my cost basis back down. So it, it's kind of it's a very diversified conservative way of doing uh, a risky investment and I, I think it just psychologically it's easier to do that way because you, you always have a little skin in the game if it keeps trending but you have a rainy day fund for when it finally drops 50 60 percent out of nowhere which it eventually will probably do and you can average down so now you can buy cheap so it, it's just a really diversified simple way to invest in something that's you know unknown and kind of risky and has lack of data and now, Brill, before we dive into really what it is you actually do and the blockchain technology and define it, did you at one point ever flip Bitcoin? Like, did you ever use 
platforms like Paxful or local Bitcoins? And what was your experience in the flipping of the bit? So any time that I would get into anything like that, we are very conservative with the coins that, that we had earned and the ones that we continue to earn. So I get my coins offline immediately. So I don't like to sit on exchanges or sit on, um, I don't care what it is or what platform it is. I, I, we have a belief, we're computer science people, and we have a belief that, you. I mean, math has been hacked, you know? So although the blockchain really cannot be hacked, when you go to an exchange and you have your coins on there, you're looking, even if you do a, a buy and you're trying to just flip them, put them out there, you're actually data sitting in the database of somebody's website. And that database can be hacked. And that's why you see stories that all these coins come up missing and things because people do leave them online because they have an inherent trust that they think that my coins are there, they're safe or whatever. But really, you're relying on a website. More often than not, you're sitting with a MySQL database somewhere that is, quite frankly, not, not all that difficult to hack. So, yeah, we don't really play those games because we don't like the exposure of our coins being online, actually. Especially when you're starting to deal in the amounts that some of us, and especially you, are starting to deal with. Now, but there, there are safer ways to store coins. So quickly, I think you talked about a couple of hard wallets um, that you kind of recommended. What is the difference between a hard wallet and an online wallet, and why is it safer? So... You know, an online wallet, uh, you've, you've got to have one that's sort of the way that you can send or make a transaction. If I want to buy something, it goes from my wallet to your wallet. So that's how a transaction is made. And then once the transaction's made, you have a coin or a fraction of a coin sitting in your wallet online. That's on, But while it's sitting there, it's on somebody. That's just a website. So the blockchain, the technology... That the underlying technology, the encryption, is actually used in the transmittal of the coin, not in the storing of the coin. I mean, your coin's being stored on somebody's website, so that can be hacked. What I do is, let's say you were to purchase something from me, or my machines are out there doing this fractional sort of collection for me. I go and I have a what's called a hardware wallet. There's a lot of different ones. I the oldest one, the the one that I like is called Trezor, T-R-E-Z-O-R. It's um, a little USB device I put it into my computer. It has its own wallet address. Then I go on the website that I may be on, you know, Bittrex, you know, or Coinbase, or whatever, wherever the coins were deposited to, and then I send them to that wallet. I then take that USB device and I unplug it from my computer and put it into a safe. This way... I can't lose. If that site gets hacked, I won't lose any of my coins because my coins are actually sitting on my hardware device in my safe. And unless you really understand how it works, some people might say, well, that seems scary because what if I lose that device or what if I destroyed that device or what if there's a fire that burns up? Well, those each of these hardware devices have these long strings of numbers. They call them seeds. So even if I was to take my wallet and just put a hammer to it and destroy it. I can go out and buy a new Trezor, and then I can say import and then type in my seed, and it'll import all my coins back into my hardware wallet. That can't happen if a website's website's hacked and somebody gets in there and transfers your coins because when they go over, when they go through the blockchain, they go through all the maintainers, the ledger's been switched, and the coins are gone. They have no idea where they've been. So the difference is, Storing your stuff online 
or storing your data offline, because that's all these coins are, are it's data. And so you own the data that you have until somebody else, until you spend it. But if it's on somebody else's website and that website gets hacked, well, then somebody's basically going after that database because all they're looking to do is transfer the coins from that database to their own wallet, and you can rest assured that they immediately take it offline because when it's not connected to anything, then these hacks do not work. And so just in basic information then, you know, because some people are actually still confused about what a Bitcoin actually is. Like when you buy a Bitcoin right now, let's say for $4,301.77, what actually are you buying? What are you actually investing in, so to speak? Like there is no tangible coin. So what is it exactly that you own? You know, and this is a this is a really interesting subject, and it's really hard for people to wrap their their heads around. You let's compare it to your traditional bank. If you go to your bank and put in a hundred dollars in your bank, that bank takes your hundred dollars, and they'll loan out ninety seven dollars of it, <laughs> and they'll keep three or four dollars in the bank, but they keep that ninety seven dollars on their computer system in a ledger that says you own it. But the money's not really there. And this is the same thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you're going to go, you buy this, you, you invest your money, you buy it. The data gets added to your ledger, just like you went to a bank. The difference is the ledger is held by the bank. And because it's held by the bank, one centralized agency, they can do whatever they choose with the money. Because once you deposit it, it's technically their money. So they take that money, they loan it out, they do all these things so they can make money. The difference between the Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency, any any object that's using the blockchain is when you make that transaction, you make that purchase, it goes out and there's a lot of maintainers. And we all have to agree that this is a legitimate transaction and then we all put it on our ledgers. So I am unable to then go in and switch my ledger and saying that money doesn't exist. Because the next time you go try to make a transaction, it goes to everybody that's maintaining the ledger, and they're going to make sure we all agree who the money is. And let's say there's a thousand maintainers out there, and let's say two of them say, oh, no, that account has no money. They still go with the other 9,998 or 998 out of 1,000. So we don't have the opportunity to you know, manipulate the bank records like the banks do um, because we're so independent and, unor and we're not organized within each other. We don't know the other maintainers. So all you're basically buying is a position in a ledger that says you own this much or this data. It's the same thing you really own at a bank. You go to the ATM, it says you have $1,300, $1,400. Chances are the bank doesn't have that. They It's just in their system. So that's what this is. This is the same sort of system, except for it's decentralized. So there cannot be anybody pulling the strings. There's no fractional banking. There's nobody, you know, trying to you know stretch your dollars and make dollars out of it. It's totally independent. So it's almost like you're your own bank, and we just have the maintainers just happen to be the ones that are watching the transactions to ensure they're legitimate. And Zachariah, you, I think you gave a percentage before about actually how much money is in the banks versus how much money is on record at the bank. Do you remember what your percentage was? 
Yeah, it's just a reserve ratio. It, it may be 10% or 5% or I, I'm not for sure where it's at right now. And that's another thing. They can change that reserve requirement. So if the economy starts to downtick into a recession, they can lower reserve requirements to spur more lending. And, and the biggest issue with basically with what Brill's saying is, you know, if 5% of the people in the country went to the bank right now to withdraw their money, the whole world economy would just collapse. Because they loan out, if they take in $100, you know, like he was saying, you're going to loan out 90-something dollars of it. Well, that person takes that $90, and then they put it in the bank, and then they reloan that $90 out. So now they have 80 So that $100 becomes like $1,000 by the time it's all said and done. And uh, it's just cryptocurrency, you're not going to do that. So banks only have a very, very small percentage of the actual money that's out in the economy. So, in my opinion, it's, it's safer in cryptocurrency than it ever will be your real bank. And so, Brill, what are some of the risks involved? Because, you know, a lot of people historically, when they've heard of Bitcoin, they've heard about uh, the black market. They heard about um, all these things that are going on and that it isn't safe. But you're actually coming on and saying it is safe. But what are some of the risks involved with Bitcoin? <laughs> So the things with Bitcoin that, and the reason people say they're not safe are people that you know don't understand how to manage their accounts. And quite honestly, that could be said with any currency, crypto Absolutely. or not. If you don't know how to manage your money, you don't know how to mitigate and decide or make good decisions based on risks that you understand. It's all dangerous. So you have there's a level of understanding that you need to have that's number one because it is so new um, so just knowing small things like don't leave your money online it can be hacked I mean is that yeah I don't think if I you know if I was leave my coins online I think that's unsafe as well but I don't think it's because of the blockchain it's not because of the cryptocurrency it's because of somebody's website that can be hacked so I think there's a lot it's a lot it's really easy to say, Oh, somebody's website got hacked. They stole these bitcoins, so Bitcoin isn't safe. But it has nothing to do with Bitcoin. The, the underlying technology is encrypted. It's just like what the federal government does and when they want to send secret messages and you know all the spy networks and all these things. It's encrypted. It's decrypted. There's keys. There's a cipher that's going on. It's very secure. It's safer than the transactions you're going to have at the bank. Um, the difference is if a bank gets robbed. And they, you have a million dollars in the bank. You know they have a FDIC insurance for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. But because you left your money in that bank and it got robbed, it can be taken. Federal government may insure a portion of it, but the rest of it would be gone. This is the same thing. You have to look at those websites as a, that's where your money is, so you're using it as a bank. And how comfortable are you with that? So it's not that the cryptocurrency or the blockchain or technology or the encryption is unsafe it's safer than any system we currently have you just have to be careful because if you don't understand what's going on and you leave your coins here or you transfer your coins to somebody you don't know or don't understand what's going on yeah it could be a loss and um depending on how much you put in how much you're investing it could you know if you've handled it improperly it could be devastating well, right now, Brill, I need to interrupt because we have a call on line two. It looks like we have Michael on line two. Michael, are you with us? Yes, I am. 
Hey, Michael, thanks for calling in. Do you have a question, comment, or concern? Yeah, a question. I'm, I'm a bit of a, a noob uh, to the market, and um, you, you guys speak of cryptocurrencies as if there's more than one. Um, all I've ever heard of is Bitcoin. Um, my question is, are there others, and which one is best? Brill, do you want to take that? Sure. So there's there's actually several. Um, you can look them up. Um, there's like Ethereum and Dash and Ripple. And what they're used for is, you know, they have different features. They do different things. So like in my mind, you know, I look at Bitcoin as sort of the gold standard for, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies. And I say that because Bitcoin, there's only 21 million Bitcoins that can ever be released. And so with a population of billions of people on the earth, with only 21 million Bitcoins that are ever going to be released, that's where it's capped off. It's hard-coded. It cannot be changed. That's going to be a supply and demand sort of issue. So that, to me, seems a lot like the gold standard. If you go look at, like, a SIA coin, which is another one, you know, what they do is they started a business, so they're sharing hard drive space, kind of like... You know, Amazon Web Service does, but it's a lot safer. It's a lot less expensive. And it lets an individual like you get a computer, share some hard drive space, and actually start charging to share the space. And so you can start earning money sharing excess data storage that you may have. And you'd be paid in these coins. Well, all these coins, think of it like it is in the real world. You know, like in the United States, there's the dollar. But in Thailand, there's the bot. And so right now, one U.S. dollar is worth 44 baht. So there's an exchange that's constantly going on. So you can exchange your money to Thai baht or Japanese yen or back to the U.S. dollar, the Canadian dollar, where you can do the same thing with these cryptocurrencies. I can sell my Ethereum and move it over to Bitcoin. I could sell my Ripple, my Dash, uh, whatever cryptocurrency that um, I may be holding and convert it over. I actually quite frequently do that. I do that on a daily basis. I um, move all my coins over to Bitcoin. I try to earn um, <laughs> I try to earn from the different pools of cryptocurrencies, but then I use sort of the Bitcoin as sort of my hold. So there are several in there. You can find them. You can go out and um, there's a lot of resources. If you just go, there's a Bitcoin.org. You can go there and start reading about Bitcoin. But if you start following some links and going, you can go find all of them. There's a lot. And from what I could see, uh, Michael, that someone said there's over like 500 actually actual coins. And uh, there are people who are actually creating coins even as we speak. And if I'm not mistaken, Brill, aren't you uh, starting a coin yourself, Fitbit, if I if I might be. That, so that's bold. right. That's right. We're in the middle of coding, and so the the premise of these currencies are you need that that they need to have a reason and a value and a reason for exchange. So we're doing one. Um, we're considering building one. We're in the middle of coding it uh, that we're calling. Um, you know, Fitcoin, actually. So what it's going to do is it's going to be the exchange currency that can be used online for all sorts of health and fitness products. And the reason we're doing that is because there's not one currently available. And two, um, you know, the, the fitness, whether it's, you know, Herbalife or, it's, you know, it's you know, a myriad of other health and nutritious, nutrition um, 
companies, they're selling billions of dollars worth of stuff, so we're going to be able to safely run those transactions for them online. So people don't have to put their debit cards online. The future is not putting your information online, where, of course, your information can get hacked. And so, yeah, we're in the middle of processing one of those. But that's why I don't like to give out that 500 because it changes so frequently. Because everybody's out there trying to start up their business and start to make this change over to this safer sort of transaction method. Because when you put your debit card on there with your name and your address and the debit card number, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot more risky than people let on to. So we hey, are, Michael, yeah. was, was that satisfactory or do you have another question as a follow-up? No, actually, um, that pretty much covers it for me. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you Michael. for calling in. All righty. Zach, Zachariah. You've been real quiet, dude. This is unlike you. Like, what is going on? Are you sick? Are you still eating pizza? Like, what's going on? I'm just sitting here thinking. Uh, one thing I'd like to ask Brill is, what is the difference between mining and managing the so-called ledger? Nice. I love it. <clears throat> okay, so mining is a, is a term, and it's, it's really just what everybody agrees on. But in my mind, when some, there's a lot of devices out there that you can buy like a very common one is what's called an S9 Ant Miner. And what it does, it's a device. It's a hardware device. It sells for, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. You can plug it into the wall, and it'll start, you know, doing transactions for Bitcoin. But here's the thing about that. That mining is that it's a mining device, and it only does whatever you buy to do. So that one may do Bitcoin. So that's all it does is Bitcoin. So... Here's the, here's the pros and cons, right? So you buy this thing for a couple thousand dollars, you plug it into the wall, you're going to make, you know, a few hundred bucks a month or whatever. So you're going to make money with it, which is great. But the, you got to understand that the way this works is the more transactions that are happening, the bigger it goes, the longer it goes. The difficulty level of encrypting and decrypting becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And since you bought this mining piece of hardware... It, it's not growing at the rate the difficulty of actually handling the transactions are growing. So Great every point. month you have a plug every month you have it plugged in, you're theoretically losing money because you cannot deviate, meaning going back to Michael's question, are there other currencies? Like let's say the difficulty rate for Ethereum is drops and the price increases. But let's say that the Bitcoin price drops and the difficulty increases, right? You're stuck as a miner with that on Bitcoin, mining that even though the, the difficulty shot up and the value of the coin may drop. Nice. But if you, and if just, you, just real, real quick, Brill, if I can, uh, we need to continue what you're saying. I don't want to cut you off, but we do have Jamie on line three, and I want to bring her in, and then we're going to come right back to finish that question. Jamie, go ahead. What's your question? Jamie, are you still there? All right. Well, it looks like we might have lost her. Okay. So we'll come back to her. Go ahead, Brill. You were talking about how it gets more and more difficult to mine, but your miner still has kind of the same ability. And so it's kind of losing value over time. Yes, because not only, yes. So although if you buy any hardware, that in fact becomes the case, right? Because the hardware is not theoretically growing at the rate a difficulty of an algorithm is growing. But when you're a main, when you do more of a maintaining, like a raw maintaining, I have the ability to say, well, 
my machines, all of them are going to stop doing Bitcoin. They're all going to start doing Ethereum. So I have the ability to take, to always maintain the ledger for coins that are increasing in value with steady or decreasing difficulty in algorithms. So I can maximize it's just it's a more it's, it's a more flexible position so I can maximize the collection of coins because I can maximize the number of transactions I process whereas if you were a miner and you bought mining hardware you're typically locked into something what you know you could buy a dash miner that's another cryptocurrency but then you'd just be mining dash and something happens to it well you're sort of you know, you're going up or down with it. You're putting all your eggs in the Dash basket at that point or the Bitcoin basket. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot of te- a lot of understanding with technology to do that. You can literally buy one of these miners for a couple thousand dollars, plug it into the wall, and it'll start earning money for you. So that's and, and real quick, point. we have Jamie back with us. Brill, we're going to come right back to you. Jamie is online, too. Jamie, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, thanks for calling in. What question do you have? Okay, I have two, actually. One is, do you think Bitcoin will take over the world um, currency to become one currency where the paper will no longer exist? Paper money will no longer exist. It would just be Bitcoin. And would that be the start of the apocalypse and revelation? Brilliant. You can take the first part. I can take that second one. Okay, the first part is, I, you see, as far as the, the, you know, there is, not to my knowledge, a world currency. Like, there's a lot of currencies that can be changed into each other's currency, but any cryptocurrency is, in fact, a world currency because it is like the Internet. It's just a data exchange. So, for example, Japan just made, you know, it's still it's running with the yen, but it also just made... You know, Bitcoin, a co-national currency, meaning that they'll accept wow. it anywhere in Japan. But my Bitcoin, here's the amazing part. My Bitcoin that I earn here, it's still worth, like you were saying earlier, $4,300 today. If I go to Japan, it's still worth $4,300. See, there's really, I'm not affected by an exchange rate. The only thing I have to worry about when I go over there is what it costs in Bitcoin. So I can use one understanding of one metric to understand how much something costs. Because in my mind, if I'm in the United States of America and this is $18, and then I go over to Thailand and it's 77 baht, I mean, I've got to do the quick translation to say, whoa, it's only it's under 2 bucks if I buy it in Thailand. But I've got to be abreast of all the different countries I go to. So that goes away, which makes it easier for me to shop internationally and more secure for me to shop internationally, which should... It has been helping some of these other countries that they don't really have anything to back their currency or legitimize their currency, but they have products to sell. This is a way that we could now buy and sell products into their country, which is helping their economy as well, but helping ours is also. So it's, it is more of a world currency. Um, okay, so basically, so basically the Bitcoin will replace the um, – paper money so that it'd be one currency instead of all the rest of them. So it'd be easier to track people's finances, right? Right. Because no. It's, it's, with the China net taking over, eventually the China net and Bitcoin are growing at basically at the same 
pace. If you look at the stock market, they're almost head to head in their yeah, growth. The, the problem that that they have is they can't they can't because of the way it's decentralized. There's nobody mm-hmm. that can one world who's got all the bitcoins, especially because you have the ability to, like I was talking about earlier, putting in your hardware all and taking it offline. So there's no way, like no one knows how many bitcoins I'm holding. The governments can't tell. I mean, it can't be because it has to be agreed upon at any given time by the majority of the maintainers that are running the services to maintain the ledger. So that means, and this is happening worldwide, incidentally. So there are maintainers in every country, and countries just don't work together well at this point. Um, mm-hmm. So they can't really. Real, that, there's a big, there's a huge discussion about, you know, how they're going to control this, that, the other. And matter of fact, over in New York, they made a Bitcoin license if you want to exchange because they know the only way that they have a monitor this is before it gets into the blockchain because once it's in the blockchain. They can't control it. They can't manipulate it. I think we're in bigger fear of the, the money that can be manipulated by these large corporations in these countries. And I think that's the fear, is that that manipulation of money, because they can take it, they can move it, they can inflate it. I mean, today's dollar's worth, what, three or four cents of what it was, you know? Yes. In the 30s and 40s. I mean, it's, and that's because the government gets involved and they try to do easing and fractional banking and they try to do all these fancy terms. But the bottom line is, is because they're in control of the money, they can use the money for war if they want, right? Because it's their money. Gotcha. They're going to take it. They're going to collect it in class. They can do that. But when it's migrated to the blockchain, they can't take my money to start a war. They can't even get to it. But they have no control. But haven't they already figured out how to tax it? No. Yeah, no, that right now that the, the taxes, they want to do capital gains, and I have to report how much I, when I liquidate mine, I have to report how much I liquidate to them so they can tax me. It's pretty much the okay. honor system right now. So it's, that's what you have to do. Um, if they find out that you're not being honest, I mean, of course, they'll be, you know, they'll come after you, so you can't go and grab your Bitcoins and buy, you know, a million-dollar house because they're going to say, where'd you have the income for that? But they can't, they're, you know, they liken us, I think, more to, they can't tell if it's drug money, they can't tell where it's coming from. It's just not in their control right now. And until and all the countries in the world, that's why they hate it. And until all the countries in the world can agree and say, we're going to start monitoring everybody's servers, everybody's computers, the world over, until they can make that agreement, which, you know, there's always going to be the, the North Koreans and the Chinas and the, the matter of fact, this is not new. You know, back in the day, you know, when the internet was young, people had even in the United States and in Ohio, they had servers that were running gambling websites. And they're like, no, 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 you can't have gambling websites. These people could find. What they did was they then bought a, a hosting company or a host out in China or in North Korea or South Korea or wherever, and they just moved their code over there and the, the gambling service just kept running. Yeah, I worked for the right. DSP system, so yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the same thing. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough position that they're in, and they don't like it, and that's why they make these these licensing things because they know they've got to they've got to see it going in or coming out. They've got to see you spending the money. Or they got to they got to say you know licensing fee going in because they know once it's in, they, there's just nothing they can do about it. Right. Excellent. 
Thanks, Jamie. We appreciate you calling. And if you come up with another question, do not hesitate to call back. Jamie has called in at 323-744-4841. That's the direct line if you want to join this conversation with questions or comments. Perhaps you've been in Bitcoin before and you have something to add or you have a question for Brill, who is our expert, and we've already got him lined up for future shows. So if you're listening to this on archive via iTunes or at the bbsradio.com forward slash risk investigators report, you can still catch Brill in our future shows in two Saturdays. So with that, Brill, you were talking a little bit about mining and how the difficulty increases as it goes. Can you just follow up on that question just real quick? Yeah, it's, it's like it's you got to understand that this is about encrypting data transactions. And so the more transactions, the more frequency, the faster they come, the encryption levels are growing and growing and growing. This is making the ability for miners and maintainers to demand increase, increase, increase. So if you buy into a miner, it, you have what you have. So you have to deal with whatever that difficulty level is. So you may get one that's doing you know, five, 600,000 transactions a second this month, eight months from now, maybe doing 50,000 transactions a second. And what you got to understand is these miners are getting paid for the work that they do. This is all based on proof of uh, work, right? And that's what it's all based on right now. And so they have to prove that they're the ones who did the work, this, that, the other. And then they get a fraction of a percent of that fee for that transaction, and that's how they earn money, and that's how the whole system sort of keeps isolating and dependent. So any one of your listeners can actually go out and buy one of these machines and plug it into the wall, and that's what I consider a miner. Now, somebody that doesn't do that, and what our company does is we sort of, we've written our own software, and we go out and buy hardware, and then we develop our own machines because our machines are constantly watching difficulty levels. They're constantly watching the value of the coins because if you can see, you remember at the beginning of August, you know, the Bitcoin was what, 2,600 bucks? You know, now right. it's 3,300. That's great, but we still, so in somebody that's new might say, wow, this is the time to really start mining that Bitcoin. Well, we don't because it turns out it's more profitable right now to mine Ethereum with the prices that the way are the way the prices are right now, and the difficulty level of Ethereum versus the difficulty level of encrypting a Bitcoin transaction. So we do one of our machines will do about four million transactions in Ethereum per second, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And like I said, we get fractions of cents for that, you know, in Ethereum. And then what we do is we convert it over to Bitcoin. And then, you know, let's say Dash or Ripple or, you know, Litecoin or any of the other ones, we're constantly watching all of them. And we're just, the machines are basically moving in and out of these various cryptocurrencies. And sometimes we even do, um, we maintain the ledgers for things that aren't cryptocurrencies that are still using the blockchain technology. Um, and we, we make um, fractions of a sense of those transactions. Uh, Xbox, PlayStation, they're bringing it on. Um, I guess out in Hungary, they blocked PayPal, so everybody's converting over to uh, Bitcoin now, you know, various cryptocurrencies, but mainly Bitcoin, uh, because they can't get access to PayPal anymore over there, and they used a lot of it to send money internationally and all sorts of other things. So it's growing, it's growing, it's growing, and 
you know, it's the, the, the hardest part is just keeping up with it. There's so many changes that comes at you so quickly. It's just like technology. The hardware's changing fast. The encryption's changing fast. The value of these currencies are changing fast. And so when we talk about risk, you know, what we purchase is we, bought, we buy computer hardware. But we're in a great spot because we buy computer hardware at a bulk price, so we get it cheaper than retail. So our risk is really mitigated down to almost nothing because I can, you know, let's say I buy the equipment for a machine and let's say I don't want to build the machine for whatever it is, I could resell it under retail and get 80% of my money back. But I've never done that because I always plug them in because this is how we make our living. But, I mean, even if everything did this or that crash or difficulty went this way, I can piece mine together because what we do is we... um, have very high-end parts that it turns out that gamers and you know high-end pcs and people that build these things want so it works out really well for us but the main reason the main difference i think between miners and maintainers is flexibility if i had to use one word excellent zachariah are you still awake or are you just going to just walk back up yeah i figured that that's that's how it is bro i i'm i'm kind of like the host he kind of just sits there so that's how it is. So when you call back next week, just assume that's how it's going to be. But go ahead, Zach. That sounds like a pretty nice job, though, just sitting there. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good day. I, I, I guess my question is how – I'm a beginner, and I want to get in – okay, I don't want to be stuck buying a miner that does one thing. I want the flexibility of having hardware that can do anything that blockchain does, whether it's movies or crypto our car titles, whatever. I want to be able to, to be a part of that. But I have uh, minimal program experience. Um, I'm technically inclined, but where do I get started? And what type of programming languages do I need to learn? Or are, are there any type of books? You know, How do I get started? I want to build my own machine. How do I get started? Okay, well, that's, those are all good questions. There's, there's things you can do. There's already pre-made operating systems um, I'm not sure about you know, the whole game here is how fast can your machine process transactions? That's the only thing we want to know. So when you're dealing with Ethereum, they use what's called a, a scale of mega hashes. So how many mega hashes can your machine do per second? Right. So you can actually go out. There's a website it's, uh, called CryptoCompare.com, and it has a calculator. So you can go to their calculator, and you can type, and then there's a button, there's tabs at the top, like BTC, that's Bitcoin, ETH, that's Ethereum. So you can just press the ETH tab, and then on the, on the side, it's going to say, there's a drop-down, you just pick MH slash S, that means mega hash a second. And you can put a number in there, like put in, you know, we're, you know, we have, um, you know, ASRock, just to get technical to, with you for a minute, ASRock came out with a motherboard, um, the H110 is a BTC Pro board. It has 13 onboard slots for PCIEs. So that means that you can daisy chain 13 GPUs together. If you take 13 GPUs, even if they're ARCs 580s, or if you can get a hold of the, the Vegas, you know, more power to you. If you overclock those things, you can look at about 400 mega ashes, you know, maybe 420. And so you're talking about building that box, plug it into the wall, and make it about a thousand bucks a month with the prices the way they are now. Of course, the prices go back and forth, but just saying that the way they are now. However, ASUS just two days ago 
announced their new board uh, called the B250, I believe, and it has 19 onboard PCI slots. That means you're going to be able to build that machine probably closer to 600 mega hashes a second. Now you're talking about building that machine, plug it into the wall, and that's probably a $2,300, $2,400 a month earner for you. Because even with the prices change with Ethereum or it changes the difficulty level, you could kick it right over to Ripple or, or if you know Bitcoin comes, you know Bitcoin's difficulty level comes around or settles down, you could do that. Uh, you could send it to Litecoin, anything you want. So there is good money to be made doing it. Uh, you just sort of got to know what to do. And so what you have to learn is just start by by reading. You know, you can read everything you get your hands on. We have a membership site. Uh, that you guys can post. It's members.cryptocurrencytradingco.com. And so in the back of that, we everybody's about it back there. And we have different things that go on. And we have videos and we have text and, you know, there's chats and so people can talk and find out more about it. Um, but, you know, there's there's a lot of resources. You just have to be careful that, you know, you're reading something that is recent. You know, just make sure when you, you go out there, you're not reading something from 2014 or 15 or even 16 at this point. Try to find the new stuff. But there's a lot of resources. Um, but the problem is you, you have to be able to – you have to be a hardware guy. you got to know the hardware. you got to be able to put it together and everything. Then you got to be a software guy. you got to know how to write the code and everything. And you can do it in several different languages. Uh, that's up to you. But let's say you're better at hardware and snapping it all together. You can go on YouTube and figure out how to snap it together. Pretty simple. There's tons of videos out there. And as far as the software, there's there's software. There's one called ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. I'm, like I said, we have our own custom software because we want to um, get as many mega hashes a second as we can because that's what determines what it's worth. But there's ETHOS out there. There's uh, simplemining.net, which is a really cool tool for people. Um, it's an OS that you can uh, download. I think the um, simplemining.net charges you $2 per machine that you use the OS on, so it's only 2 bucks. Um, so it's pretty inexpensive. I don't know if I'd ever do it with a Windows machine because Windows has a lot of overhead, and it will slow your machine down, therefore slowing down your hash rate. You know, I try to strip these things down to nothing except for just do the work I need to, to make money. So there's some opportunities there, but I would definitely look at ESOS. I would look at simplemining.net. I would go out to YouTube and learn how to build the hardware. And then you can get started. Um, but, of course, like anything in life, the more you know, the more flexible you are. The more you know, the more flexible you are, the more you're going to earn. So it's a journey. It's not something you just wake up and... Oh, I think I got this. <laughs> you know, every day right. something changes, so you gotta you gotta stay on top of it. Yeah. Now, when you're talking about these motherboards, what would one of these motherboards cost? Well, they ask rock. Well, here's the problem. Now, this is the thing you really got to be careful about. Like, I'm picking up. Um, you can go out and really like an ASRock. The the ASUS 19 uh, PCIe slot board isn't out yet, so that's yet to be determined. It was just announced two days ago, but the ASRock. Um, H110 BTC Pro, it came out a month ago, and it sold for $125 or $129. Um, but here's the thing. You have what's called squatters out there. So what they're doing is they're waiting for these motherboards to come out, and they buy them all. 
And so if you go on Amazon and look that up or you go look for, you type in, you know, Amazon, eBay, whatever, ASRock, you know, H110 BTC Pro, they're selling for $300 and $400 a piece. Because these people, they, they buy them up, not to use them. They don't know what to use them for, but they know people will buy them. So the trick is you can go, you can go to a website. Uh, like newegg.com, and then you can go look at the newest buy and say, listen, I want this. Let me know when it's available. And then about an hour before it's available, it shoots you an email. And you better be on that site waiting for it to go available because within 15, 20 minutes, they will be sold out. And that's when people start price gouging. Uh, is, that, is that what happened I, to I the uh, Ant Miner? And, oh, yeah. The Ant Miner D3? People do that. They, they buy them for a couple thousand dollars. They want to resell them for three or four thousand dollars because they know people, instead of actually spending time or getting in and learning and getting mentored and figuring out how it goes on, people want to plug something in the wall today and make money. And, and so they will pay this extra money. And it's just, it's, you know, this whole thing is about return on investment. You know, it's not right. See, when you're talking about investing and trading, you know, you're talking about risk and management. It's mine, it's more about return on investment. If I buy this board for $129, and I'm in, I'm building a machine that's going to make me, you know, $1,100 a month. You know, let's say I've got seven or eight thousand dollars into the whole thing. Well, my return on investment is, you know, seven eight months. And then the rest of the time it's alive, which is probably another five years, is just profit, you know. And so I don't. So it's not really about, you know, mitigating my risk. It's more of a business thing. Or what's the return on investment if I put this much money back into investing in this? So, right. so you have to be really careful about buying hardware. I'm fortunate enough that we've been doing it for so long. We have a, an account with a with a major company, so we actually get big discounts on these boards, you know, like it's a $129 board, you know, I'll pick it up for under a hundred bucks, you know, so, but I, I buy a lot of them, but I'm not one of those guys that resell them. I actually use them. So. So, so Zachariah, it sounds like you had another question too. Yeah. Let's say I have $700. Can I build a machine that'll be worth my time and profitable or, no, uh, that's tough to do because, I mean, even one video card is going to cost you $400. This is, the, this is the, the thing. What you can do, though, what we do in our organization um, is we would let, we, if we're going to build, like we're going to build a machine, so we'll say, okay, we cost our machine, say this machine is going to be $8,000. What we let members of our site do is buy percentages of a machine. So, like, for example, if you had $800, you know, you could buy, you know, 1% is sold for 80 bucks because we'll sell out 100% of the machine. But here's the deal. We always buy 50% of the machine. So let's say we're going to build an $8,000 machine. We're going to say, okay, 1% return on this machine is going to cost you $80. But there's only 50% available. You know what I'm saying? Because we buy the first 50%. Because we house it and we run it, we build it, we want to make money off of it. But to our members, we open up letting them invest in them too. So that would be the wisest thing you could do with $700 because, like I said, just to get a decent video card, go look up uh, RX 580, uh, decent video card. I mean, you're, you're looking at maybe 360 bucks for that card plus tax. So, I mean, 
that eats your $700 away immediately. But what you can do, which is probably a wise play, is get into like an organization like ours, putting 80 bucks, you know, putting your 80 bucks or buy 10%, put in 800 bucks, whatever it is. And at the time, so you're learned now you're starting to get in percents of our machines, which are high performance machines. So you, you get paid in Bitcoin every month. And then what you do is you sort of reinvest that or save that at the same time you're learning from us how to do it yourself. And then you'll earn enough money where you'll have a couple thousand dollars and then you can go out and start building your own. And so then you can, you know, sort of go out there because we encourage people to do it. It turns out that this thing's growing so fast and there's so much. You, you've seen it before. You've tried to make a transaction with Bitcoin and you've waited there 15 minutes. What it's waiting for is the maintainers, the machines to catch up to actually update the ledgers. I mean, there's so much work, it's backlog. So I, I would say I wouldn't go out and forge on my own from the beginning. There's too many risks. The, the stuff's too expensive. Um, but I would definitely get in with someone and um, invest and start understanding what's going on and learn how to manage the coins that you do earn and then keep them, save them, learn how we're building these things, learn what's going on, and then as you save the money that you're earning from the hardware investment that you've made with our company, as you save the returns every month, you'll earn enough money to actually go build your own. So you can plug in at your own place, and then one can become two, and two can become three, and that's how you start. Yeah, you want to crawl when, before you walk, you know? What is the saturation point? Like, you know, we know that this technology and these terms right now has not yet hit the mainstream, but we know it's right on the brink of really breaking out. When is it going to be too late to be a, a maintainer, or is there going to be enough room for a lot more people to kind of come into this niche of technology? I think you're, I think you're really good. I think the next five to eight years are key because, you know, you got to understand if I, we can look at the numbers, I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but what percent of the population is using it right now? You know, right. it's going to take, it's going to take years to get the remaining portion of the population on and they're going to get on. I mean, listen, I mean, it's common sense. You know, I'm, if you're like here in the United States and let's say you've come up from Mexico to work, you can, you can text your family pictures, you can text with them, you can talk with them. But when you get your paycheck, it could take a week to get them your money. And it's going to cost you 20%, 30%, whatever, by the time you have Western Union and all that other kind of stuff. It, it, imagine they can send the money to their relatives just as fast as they can send a text message, and it's safer. I mean, this, this is when people start understanding it and it becomes more mainstream, it's going to explode. And even in today's standard, where a very small percent of the population are using it, there is so much work that there's lag in ex like making an exchange. It could take, I mean, because really it should be just as instant as a text message. But it can take up to 10 or 15 minutes because there's, right. it's growing faster than the understanding of how to be a maintainer or how to be a miner or the value of being either is understood or played with. So I think that people that get in the, in the market in the next five or eight years and really get themselves in a good position, I mean, get them get good block of machines and, and nice little you know, office place or, you know, warehouse thing or whatever they do and let those run. They're really playing the seeds for the future. And Excellent. when I make one of these, I mean, the minute I turn it on, it's backlogged. It's backlogged within 40 seconds. Wow. 
it's backlogged. I mean, it's, it's already backlogged. And then I look at it and go, well, I guess I got to build another one. Excellent. And that's how it sort of just grew. Zachariah, do you have uh, any closing thoughts? And first, before you do, because I know you do, Brill, are you going to be able to come back with us in two weeks on this show? And can we have more conversation about this in two weeks? Would you be willing to do that? Absolutely. I live it. I love it. It's fun. I'll do it anytime. Thank you so much. Zachariah, what, what, what do you have? Because we have about 10 minutes left. we got to let Brill go because he's busy. He's got to go maintain blockchain. But before we let him go, what do you have for him? Absolutely nothing. No, I, that's typical. I, um, that, no. That's you. That's typical. No, I, that, that, I think I, I think what he's doing, you know, it's very legit. And I think you mentioned what was your site again that you had? Yes, please. So you can go to member. Uh, well, you can just go to cryptocurrencytradingco.com or you can go to membership dot and you'll see our site. So either way, I'm sure you guys can post it on your site afterwards. And yes, I reckon go to it. It's just a cryptocurrency Absolutely. trading company. So it's cryptocurrencytradingco.com. Very, very nice. Brill, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And we look forward to talking with you in a couple of weeks. And we're going to give a lot of our listeners time to hit the archives because a lot of this has to sink in because it was the first time, you know, a lot of people heard this. So we're going to allow it to sink in and then we're going to come back and we're going to do it again. And we're just going to have fun in two weeks. Sounds great. Thanks for calling in. We'll talk to you soon. Zachariah. All right. Zachariah, before we, I let you go and before we let our listeners go, we have something set up, right? Is that true? I mean, like, I, I have to go look at it. I, I didn't trust you. But do we have something set up on GoFundMe? Yes, we do. We're going to try and buy in and, I guess, get a machine or, or even do our own equipment, I believe. Is that the plan? I believe that's the plan. And here's what it is. If you was to go to GoFundMe.com forward slash blockchain management startup. Is that right? I think that's right. Yes, okay, is. so GoFundMe.com blockchain management startup. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to donate to you. We're going to donate back to you. So everyone who donates to us, we're going to buy into this technology because what we haven't said, and this is full disclosure now, we're definitely in on this. We're not just talking to Brill because... You know, it was interesting. We're talking to Brill because we're in cahoots with him. We're in business with him and we're buying into the technology because we know that this is the technology of tomorrow. And this starts today. And, and if you look, if you're looking for somewhere to get in, because something about multi-level marketing, there's a personality thing that goes into that. And everybody's looking for that product and you want to be in the MLM at the right time. Well, this is not an MLM. You don't even have to do sales. This is the bottom floor of something that's going to explode through the sky and you can get in right now at, at, at nominal fees. And so what we've set up, in case you didn't want to like invest into a business because this is not an investment, what you give us is a donation. And what we're going to give back to you is a donation according to the success of our, our machines. And so ultimately, we don't know what we're going to donate back to you. But we know one thing, it could be actually more than what you've donated to us. That is a possibility because we're gonna buy into the technology, we're gonna talk about the technology, and we're gonna watch this technology explode. And as it does, remember what Brill was just talking about, we maintain the ledger. We're not just mining Bitcoin. We're not just mining Ethereum. Our technology has the capability of whatever's gonna pass through the blockchain, 
we have the ability to mine it. And one thing that Brill offers to us is the fact that he can store it and run it and we don't even have to hear the sound or pay the extra electric bills. We're just going to have those machines running. And by that, you're going to learn more and more about this technology. So we're going to keep everyone up to date on where we are in our raising of funds and all the donations that come in. And we're also going to let you know when it's time for us to donate back to you. And you'll be able to have that follow up with us on this show as well as on the YouTube, which is coming soon. Is that right, Zachariah? Yes, it is. A matter of a couple of days, maybe a week or two. I'm taking a couple of days off. So let's say at least let's say about in a week or so we'll be going on a YouTube and just doing some follow ups because this technology is difficult. If you're hearing it for the first time, you're hearing words like blockchain. You're hearing the, the, the only thing you may be familiar with is Bitcoin. But now what blockchain is, it's what the Bitcoin passes through. And so Zachariah sent me Bitcoin the other day and it took about 20 minutes to go from where he was to where I am. And it, it should have been instant. The reason is there's not enough people maintaining the ledger. The more and more people maintain the ledger, the faster that transaction will be and the more money you make for maintaining that ledger. And so literally you get fractions of Bitcoin for everything that passes through your maintenance ledger. And that's what we're going to invest in. That's what we're looking into right now at GoFundMe.com forward slash blockchain management startup. You can help us. And then in turn, through information, we're also going to donate back to you. And so obviously we can make no promises, but we can also say through the information and through the learning, you've already going to get a bonus. Zachariah, this has been a fun show. I don't know about you. I had a lot of fun with Brill. He's, he's really good. Yeah, he's, I think he's a little bit better than you are. Yeah, he might be. So, so, but here's the thing. Your position is the one that's at risk. So uh, let's, keep, well, let's, keep, let's keep that in mind. Let's, yeah, let's we'll go ahead and keep see. that in mind. We'll now, take a poll. Now, and here's something. I'm going to give a little bit of uh, handicapping advice because today, right now, if you're listening to this on archive, you can check me out because you'll know the results. But there's a big race coming up today, and everybody who listens knows I like to follow the ponies. So I'm going to offer real quick a pick three, and it's going to cost $7 to get into this pick three, but these are bigger races, so the pools are going to be pretty big. Now, here's what I'm going to do. It starts in race nine, and I see right now Joel Rosario riding Mind Your Biscuits. Now, notice Mind Your Biscuits. You've heard of them before if you're into the races. Great form, and, and he's running in the high weight. So he's running at 124. I don't think that's going to slow him down. He's got the six hole, and he's going to come out of there. He's going to explode. This is all Mind Your Biscuits in the ninth. But now what we're going to do in the 10th is we're going to play an all. If you look at the 10th race on the card at Saratoga, right, and we're, and we're moving up into the Traverse, we have seven horses in the 10th race. Play them all. And if you're going to eliminate one, we got in the one hole a 20 to one shot. Now, the reason I'm going to add him in is because what if he surprises and comes out of the gate and wins? That adds a ton of value to that pick three because everyone's going to leave him out. But you can, too, and you can make it a $6 pick three. And then we go to the big race of the day. And we're looking at the Trevor Stakes presented by NYRA Bets. We have 12 horses in the race, but it's going to come down to two. Now, you're going to hear handicappers all around the world who are going to start the pick, and they're usually going to go with the favorite. They're going to go with the chalk. I'm going to stay off of the chalk. I'm actually going at a 10 to 1 right now. I think Gervin is overdue to have a big race. If Gervin comes in on this race, and now you can make this a $14 one, 
And you can also go with somebody like Taprit, who everyone is going to be putting money on. He's going to be bet down, but also be on the lookout for a 12 to 1. So if you want to play the long shots, you have a 12 to 1 McCracken. McCracken was ranked high initially in his career, and now he's kind of slipping back. He's also due for a breakout. And if you really want to do kind of a trifecta box on a breakout, I would look at Taprit with Gervin, and you could put in McCracken and Gunavera. And that, if that comes in, that's going to pay you a nice, tidy sum. So that was the handicapping for the Traverse. I can't play it live because it's yet to happen. But I love the ponies, and I'm going to be doing just that. And I will let you know if I'm broke in two weeks. Now, GoFundMe.com, blockchain management startup. That's where you can start to donate now, and we're going to donate back to you as we watch this progress. Um, Zachariah, what's, what's your take on all this? I, I think it's probably about the best opportunity you're ever going to see because you really don't have to put a lot of money in to figure out if it's going to work. And it either works or it doesn't. You know, right. it, if, if you have a machine and it costs you eight grand to build and it makes you $1,000 a month, it works. I mean, right. it, it's just that simple. Right. So I, I think having the ability to get in for a little bit of money is uh, pretty critical here. And if it works, I mean, five, ten years from now, uh, people have the potential to really set themselves up very well. Right. And I want to come back to you with the question. Sure. Mayweather or McGregor? Oh, that's easy. You know, that's have a hype fight. I'll be glad when it's over so I can stop seeing all the commercials. You know, I feel like the yeah. ones on ESPN, like, let's get it done. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. It's just like Pacquiao. That wasn't really much of a fight. It was. They made a lot of money, and I think that's why they did it. And I think this is kind of what this is. Now, if they actually go in the ring and really try and fight each other, and they don't want to make it last 10 rounds, Mayweather will probably take them out in 15 seconds. Right. It's. But, but that's where but, I'm at. Right. And this is entertainment. We know it's kind of set up from the beginning. I'm not calling it professional wrestling, but it's, it's, it's not too many steps away from that. This is really set up. And I'm not a big fan, especially if I'm in Vegas. I'm not putting money anywhere. But I heard that there was a couple of million dollar bets here recently on Mayweather. And it just really brought the value, just saturated the value. So you're not getting any odds on that. So you're literally at like 10 percent return right now on Mayweather. So it is just not worth it. And then, you know, does it even count? So let me ask you something that does count. Let's look forward to the NBA Finals. We just seen some trades, blockbuster trades. We see Kyrie going to Boston. We, we see, you know, Golden State is just sitting there as the reigning champs. First, give me your pick of who's going to win the NBA Finals, and then I want you to give me a, a dark horse. So let's go ahead and pick who's going to win. And let me just eliminate. Is, is it the Cavs or Golden State this year? Uh, Golden State. And now, outside of the Cavs, give me a dark horse who can possibly rise up and shock the world. Um, I don't think Boston, I, I think you always got to look at San Antonio. Um, you know, Houston, I just, you know, Chris Paul's old. Uh, they don't have enough fire. I think if anybody at San Antonio, maybe Boston can beat Cleveland and get in. But that's really about the only two I see San Antonio and Boston. And, and, you know, even if Boston was to beat Cleveland, they have nothing 
for Golden State. And I, and I really can't see them getting out of the East. I mean, Kyrie said he wanted to leave Cleveland so he could be the star, but he still has to share the ball with those guys in Boston. And he's got a coach that, you know, out of college, he's got a college mentality. They're going to run plays. I think he's going to find himself stifled a little more than what he was in Cleveland. But, yeah. you know. Cleveland was all iso ball. I mean, he could right. do whatever he wanted. But, yeah, he's going to be running a different offense. We'll see. And I think as a dark horse, you, you kind of discounted him a little bit. I like Houston as a dark horse just because there's going to be a little bit more rest for the go-to guy. And so even though Chris Paul is old, he still holds his own and has to be looked at. So you're not going to be able to double team as much on Harden. You're going to have to pay attention to Chris Paul, who's going to bring in double doubles sometimes with points and assists. And that can be very valuable to them. And I also like, I know, and no one can never discount San Antonio because everyone has to remember they were there minus an injury. Yeah. I mean, that, that was just one injury away from a whole new different finals to me. So you know, you can never discount that if they are healthy. And then, you know, teams that are up and coming in the NBA would be the 76ers. Um, and there's rumor talks right now about uh, the big guy down in New Orleans, maybe looking Anthony Davis. So wherever he goes, if he goes to a contender, all of a sudden they are true contenders. So we have to really watch what's going on there. So early, early, early money is definitely looking at Golden State. But you don't want to do too much early if you're in Vegas because things are going to be changing over the landscape. So but that's what I'm going with. I'm definitely looking at a repeat. I'm thinking Cleveland's going to win this year. I think they got enough uh, coming back. And actually, I think losing Kyrie is going to help them overcome uh, Golden State. So we will see. And that is in the future. We have to wrap this up, buddy, and get ready for our YouTube channel. So any final thoughts? Are we all in on the blockchain management startup? Go fund me. We're, we're all in. Yeah, absolutely. We're all in. And that's going to be our job of the future. And then you're going to be doing seminars on it pretty soon. You're also taking the classes to learn the technology. So we're definitely, definitely all in. And we look forward to giving everyone, all of our listeners, the updates on what is going on. So are we ready to go? Are we out of here? Yes, I'm ready. I'm tired. Zachariah for Zachariah. This has been Yakanen. You have been listening to Risk Investigators Report. Until next time in two weeks, Yabless. bless.